0: Hey, River Valley, it's a joy to have Pastor Sam Chan with us today. I'm on sabbatical, and it was uh, I was looking everywhere for somebody to preach, and I thought, who could preach to us that you need to hear from? And I wanted you to hear from Pastor Sam Chan. He is my coach. He's an author. He's a great man of God. He travels the world. And we got him to come to Minnesota in February. I want you to open up your hearts to receive what God has for us through Pastor Sam Chan. So ever since I found out I was coming to Minnesota in uh, February, I live in Atlanta, I went into intercessory prayer, (laughs) I went to L.L. Bean, (laughs) I've been fasting, I've got all my Facebook and Twitter friends praying for this weekend, and I want you to know we have a prayer answering God. I mean, what a beautiful weekend, huh? huh? And all that happened because I got invited. So anytime you're looking for good weather, just send Pastor a message saying, get Sam back. What a, what a great, great, great time to be. I was with Pastor Rob and Pastor Becca in Southern California speaking at a conference that he was convening. Uh, and I just saw them there and had spent some time with them. They are all buffed. Uh, he's got some new skinny jeans, uh, got some hair thing going on, uh, trying to get a tan like mine but, mm, you know, sometimes that depends on which oven you are popped out of and so, uh, <laughs> so, so yeah, yeah, you know, you all get a tan, it wears off, uh, mine just kind of stays and so. It's it's a a delight to be here. River Valley, you're a great church. You're a wonderful church. And you're making an amazing difference. 230 missionaries. Originally, I'm from India. I'm a poster child of what your finances, actually your parents' finances, uh, and your great-grandparents and your grandparents who, who really invested. And I'm here today proclaiming the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, because church like you made an investment in somebody like me, and on behalf of all the nationals all over the world, I simply want to say thank you to you for continuing to serve the kingdom of God. I'm great, great grateful for that, grateful for that. We'll go to Mark chapter 5 in just a moment. Mark chapter 5. Uh, I going to share with you on what to do while waiting on your miracle. What to do while waiting on your miracle. I know some of you are looking at me saying, uh, he looks familiar, he looks familiar. You probably saw me at my gas station, Uh. (laughs) my Dunkin' Donuts, my Subway, you know, something like that. And so uh, I need to get through with this message pretty quickly because I'm losing money right now. Uh, uh, What to do while waiting on your miracle miracle uh imagine for a moment you are uh, rushing home after work in the afternoon and you duck into a, a grocery store and and you really want to pick up four or five quick items so you you get your shopping cart your buggy and you you put in your four or five items into that and you're in a hurry you go to the lane which says express lane 10 items or less You get in there, you're number two in line, there's somebody else in front of you with their buggy. They've got stuff in their buggy and and your buggy is right behind them. As you're standing behind their buggy, what are you doing right now? You're counting what? (laughs) Items and whose buggy? (laughs) You all are very sick. (laughs) So so you count items and you come up with twelve. It clearly says ten. You come up with twelve. But you've been wrong before. So you do a recount, and you come up with 12 again. Now you just feel like cussing. I know there are three of you in this room. I know exactly who you are. But because you're a Christian and everything like that, you don't want to say those words. You're thinking them, but you don't want to say them. So can I show you how Christians cuss? (sighs) (laughs) Everything you wanted to say. Get said. Because how many of you know that waiting is difficult? Uh, okay, stay in the grocery store with me. Stay in the grocery store. Do you do, do this? You've got, you got your shopping cart, and, and you've you, you got your buggy, and you got, now you've got a bunch of stuff in there. And, and, and you're deciding four or five lanes are open. You're deciding which checkout lane to go through. A lot of calculus, algebra, trigonometry, geometry goes into this. So first we look at the checkout clerk. And then we look at not just how many people are on that line, what kind of people are on that line. (laughs) And then eventually you got to pick a lane, right? So you pick a lane. And and as you get into the lane, there's another person over there who got into that lane at the same time. Do you all do the same thing? (laughs) I need to see hands on that one. I need to see hands on that one. If they make it out before you, it's a bad day. (laughs) But if you make it out before them, there's a God. (laughs) Because waiting is difficult. In the story we pick up in Mark chapter 5, Jesus is coming off the boat at the sea, and there's a man by the name of Jairus. Jairus is employed by the temple as the chief operating officer. The Bible says he's the chief administrator of the temple, and he has a daughter, She's 12 years of age, and she is very, very sick. So he meets Jesus, as Jesus is coming off the boat, and says to him, Hey, listen, my daughter is at home. She's almost dead. Can you come to my house and heal her? Jesus says, No problem. I'm on my way. And so they start walking. As they're going, there's a mob that starts forming, because word is out, Jesus is in town, and Jesus is slowed down. Jesus is slowed down. JR is in a hurry. Jesus gets slowed down. What's JR is feeling now? Like, come on, come on. You know, my baby's dying. As they're going through town, there's a big mob, and this woman who's been hemorrhaging for 12 years comes and touches his garment and is healed. And Jesus starts talking to her. What's JR is feeling now? Hey, okay, lady, you got healed. Go on, praise the Lord. Go home, go home, go home. <laughs> Put her on Facebook, go home. Sing about it. Go home. I need to take Jesus over here to my house. And and the Bible tells us in verse 33 of Mark chapter 5, the kind of lady she was. The Bible says she told him everything. You know people like that? You ask them, how you doing? Three hours later, (laughs) they're still telling you everything. While Jesus is talking to this lady, Jairus is right there, right, breathing on Jesus' neck, pulling on his toga, skinny jeans. I don't know what Jesus was wearing. And, 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 and he has messengers that come from his house. And they say to Jairus, the daddy, don't bother. Your baby just died. What's Jairus feeling now? I was forced in line, lady. You bumped my line. Glad you got healed. Thanks to your healing, my baby just died. And the rest of the story is Jesus goes to the house and resurrects the daughter. So this is not just a story of this woman getting healed and this girl getting resurrected. This is really a a compare and contrast between two dying women. How long has this woman been sick? 12 years. How old is the girl? 12 years. So this girl has been alive as long as this woman has been sick. The day of this Woman's healing was the day of this girl's death and resurrection. But more than that, this girl is an insider. She lives inside the temple. But this woman, because she had been hemorrhaging, according to the law of Moses, was not allowed inside the temple. She was unclean. Now it's one thing not to go to church. It's another thing for you not to be allowed to go to church. So in those days, you didn't have a personal God. You had high priest who was your intercessor between you and God because Calvary had not taken place. So that means for 12 years, she's not been inside the temple. For 12 years, she hasn't had a sacrifice. For 12 years, she's been an outsider. For 12 years, she's had no spiritual covering. But not only that, because of the law of Moses, she was unclean, so anybody who touched her or she touched somebody became unclean themselves. So for 12 years, Nobody had reached out and touched her on purpose. She was somebody, somebody. She was somebody's sister, somebody's mother, somebody's wife, somebody's niece, somebody's cousin, somebody's sister-in-law. I don't know, but she was somebody, somebody. So when she came to Jesus, she came to him broken emotionally. She came to him broken spiritually. She came to him broken relationally. She came to him broken financially. She came broken physically. She came broken to the Lord. And Jesus heals her. And after that, he goes to JR's house and raises the girl. They are both waiting on a miracle. And in this story, I want to give you six principles of what to do. While waiting on your miracle. Is there anybody in here who needs a miracle today? Can I just see your hands? I'm here to tell you today is your day. Because waiting on your miracle is part of the miracle. If you don't need a miracle today, live another day. Just half a day. Because you see, that's where all of us live. Because we are all waiting on a miracle. Let me give you principle number one. Principle number one is found in verse 36. Verse 36. Mark chapter 5, verse 36. As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, be not afraid or don't be afraid. Everyone together. Don't be One more time. Don't be now, now stay with me now. Look at this picture here. Look at this picture. Jesus is standing, woman is kneeling. She is talking to him, he's talking to her. Right over here is Jairus, the daddy, breathing down on Jesus. Jesus is talking to her, while messengers come and whisper to Jairus, the daddy, your daughter is what? Dead. Now Jesus, notice what Jesus did not do. Jesus didn't look at Jairus and said, hey, man, be cool. I got this. I'm JC. <laughs> I mean, this is what I do for a living. I raise people from the dead. I walk on water. I speak to the winds and waves. Do you not remember Jairus? The Lazarus was dead for four days and I raised him. Your baby's in bed, dead. Maybe a couple hours. I got this. Be cool, chill. Just chill. <laughs> I'm talking to this woman. After I get done with her, I'll go raise your daughter. He doesn't say any of that. He looks on J.R.'s face and sees fear. Isn't that what happens in our life? As soon as the doctor says, mm, "I feel something. Got to send you for a biopsy," fear. You get an email from HR. Like to see you at two o'clock this afternoon. Fear. The first thing Jesus does is looks on his face, sees fear, and instead of pacifying him, instead of affirming him, he says to him, Number one is what? Don't be afraid. Because you either live your life by faith or you live your life by fear. Faith or fear? you got to make up your mind. Either you're going to live your life by faith or by fear. And I'm here to suggest to you that Jesus is still looking at our situation today and saying, don't be afraid. Principle number two is right behind that. In verse 36, it says, only believe. Principle number two is what? Only. Only believe. Now, there's a difference between believing and Only believing the focus is not on the word believe, the focus is on the word only. So, when Jesus met Jairus, the daddy met Jesus, the daughter was not dead, she was just sick. So, when she was sick, daddy Jairus had options he could take her to the doctor, he could take her to homeopath, he could take her for aquapuncture, he could take her for chiropractor, he could take her to an herbologist, they could move to Colorado. (laughs) It's legal there. (laughs) The bottom line is, Daddy Jairus had options. But now that the daughter is what? Dead. All those options go away. So when he met Jesus, he was believing. And Jesus was one of the options he had. But now that she is dead, all those options go away. Ladies and gentlemen, many, many times God will bring us to those places in our life where mama can't help, daddy can't help, doctor can't help, attorney cannot help, banker can't help, social services can't help, nobody can help. And that is where we run into the words of David, I will lift up my eyes unto the hills. From whence comes my help? My help comes from the Lord. Oh, once you come to that place in life that you move from believing to only believing. And now the focus is not as if the Jesus thing does not work out, then I will go and do this. But it is really knowing that if he does not come through, we really don't have any hope. Principle number three found in verse 37. Verse 37, and he suffered no man to follow him, save Peter and James and John, the brother of James. Principle number three is surround yourself with positive people. Surround yourself with who? Positive people. Whenever you're going through a tough time in your life, you need some people around you who will lift up your arms. You need somebody around you who will encourage you. You need somebody around you who actually believes that God's word is still true. You need somebody around you who believes that God can still supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. You need somebody around you who can say the words of David, I was young, but now I'm old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken or a seed begging for bread. You need somebody around you who knows that God still answers prayer. You need somebody around you who believes that God can still heal the sick. You need somebody around you that believes that God can still provide you jobs and businesses. You need somebody around you who is positive. And that's why coming to church is so important when we pray together, when we worship together, when we sing together, when we love together, knowing that there are people around us who can lift up our arms and are positive in my life. But before I go on to number four, which by the way is my favorite, I want to make sure you got the first three. Number one is what? Don't be afraid. Number two? Number three? With positive people. I'm going to be giving you a warning right now. There will be a test at the end. If you ever want to leave this room alive, you've got to get all six of them. Number four, number four, my favorite, my favorite. So Jesus goes to the house. A bunch of mourners out there. They're, they're making a big fuss over this girl who's been dead. Verse 40. And they laughed him to scorn, but when he had put them all out. Principle number four is kick out the negative people from your life. Kick out the what? Negative people from your life. Many of us are trying to get ahead, but all the losers. Now let me put it this way. If you want to be a winner... You gotta st- stop hanging around who? Losers. Let me, let me break it down even further. If you go gonna be an eagle, stop hanging around turkeys. Doesn't matter how good the turkey is, gonna end up butterball somewhere. <laughs> There's negative people who have no ambition in life, don't want you to go anywhere. We call them haters. Yeah, go on your Facebook page. People who are never happy about anything. People always complaining, whining, carrying on. Whing, 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 whing. Don't you feel like just walking up some people and just slapping them? In Jesus' name. Yeah, you, you, you say to them, hey, pray for my mama. She's going through this, this, this. Oh, yeah. My mama had the same thing and she died. You say, oh, I see the... Light at the end of the tunnel, oh no, that's the headlights of a train coming our way. <laughs> Never happy about anything. You got to do what? You got to kick out the negative people from your life. There are some phone calls. There are some phone calls. You have no business returning. The only time they call you is what? When they need something. Need something. We call them relatives. <laughs> you know, relatives and fish. After three days, they just got to go. Someone said that the best Christmas lights you're going to see are the tail lights of relatives leaving. <laughs> yeah, there's some phone calls you have no business returning. So when somebody calls you, uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a name that shows up. We call it what? Caller ID. You know, it would be good to have the gift of discernment. But if you don't have that, at least have the gift of suspicion. <laughs> Caller ID shows up, but some of you can't even read. So God worked with the, God went high tech. Start working with the phone company because he's trying to help us on principle number four, kick out the negative people. So when you get a phone call now, there, there are two colors show up. There's a green button and a May I highly endorse and recommend the red button? <laughs> ignore, 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 ignore. Because these people have never been the affirming voice in your life. Wet blankets. You know who they are. <laughs> and they might be sitting next to you. That's why you're not saying anything. <laughs> Kick out the negative people from your life. Even Jesus knew for him to resurrect the girl. He needed to get rid of the negative people. Principle number five. Principle number five. Verse 41. And he took the damsel by the hand and said unto her, Talitha Kumi, which is being interpreted, Damsel, I say unto thee, arise. Principle number five is speak life to your situation. Speak what? Life. Speak life. speak. Life. speak. Everyone together, speak life. life. Anybody can speak death. Anybody can say, "Oh, that's not going to work out." Anybody can say, "Don't you know we are in a recession?" Anybody can say, "Oh, that we I tried that, that didn't work." Mine, you know, all those, but, but you got to make sure that you speak life. Speak life over your job. Speak life over your business. Speak life over your finances. Speak life over your children. Speak life over your grandchildren. Speak life over your parents. Speak life over your grandparents. Speak life. I don't know why we spend so much time moaning and groaning. Jesus didn't go into the room and try to diagnose, you know, if you all had not done this, she would not have died. The bottom line is she's dead. She's dead. The diagnosis was quite simple. Yep, dead. (laughs) So when you come to those places that look like impossible, when you come to those places that look like an impasse, it's not time to diagnose and blame and whine and complain. It's an opportunity to speak Life. life. Drive around your neighborhood speaking life. Walk into a church speaking life. Go into a small group speaking life. Wherever you go, you should be known as the life person. Because we also know the death people too. Oh, when they walk into the room, you know you were having a good time till she walked in. (laughs) Or he, whichever case might be. With a bad attitude. You know bad attitudes, bad attitudes are like bad breath. Everybody else knows it. Except you. Don't you hate it when the preacher says, turn to your neighbor and say, hallelujah. (laughs) You gotta speak life. So before I go on, let me make sure you got the first five. Number one is, don't be afraid. Number two is, only believe. Number three is, number four is, kick out the, Negative people. And number five is speak. Number six. The girl is awake now. The girl is alive. He's talking to the parents. Jesus is talking to the parents. Verse 43. And he charged them straightly that no man should know it. And commanded that something should be given her to eat. Principle number six is feed your miracle. You've got to do what? Feed your miracle. Because if you don't feed your miracle, it's not going to live. Certainly not going to reproduce. you got to feed your miracle. I have two daughters. Rachel's 35. Debbie is uh, 33. I still remember the day Rachel was born in St. Joe, Michigan. I used to pastor a church in Michigan. Uh, October 20th, 1980. How, how many of you remember when your first baby was born? Can I just see your hands? Your first baby born. Isn't that a crazy, surreal experience? I don't know about your baby, but Rachel was born ugly. <laughs> so they started handing me this thing. And then she had, like, stuff coming out, like like an astronaut floating around, and all splotchy, and wrinkled nose, and mouth like a prune, and fists already balled up, and looking at me through one eye. I mean, can't you just hose her off or something like that? Because the classes I went to, birthing classes, they didn't hand us. What is this? <laughs> it's a real surreal experience of first baby. You know, first baby and second baby are very different. First baby, pictures, 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 pictures. Second baby, yep, she's born there. Hmm? She's 10 over there. Yep, she's getting married over there. I remember holding her in my arm, praying all kinds of prayers over her. Casting out demons, <laughs> opening up heaven, building hedges. Every boy's name I could think about, I was just saying, no, no, no. <laughs> I was already enrolling her in a convent up the road. And <laughs> What would have happened if I'd taken Rachel to my church that I was pastoring? Brought her to a platform such as this, put her down there, got the worship team together, and we sang songs about Rachel. We praised God about Rachel. We had even had a Rachel dance. We, we got the elders of the church and we prayed for Rachel. We took pictures, put it on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and all the kind of stuff. And we never, what would happen if we never fed the baby? The baby would do what? Die. Die. Do you know why Rachel alive today? Married, has two of her own children, my grandchildren. You know why she is still alive? It's because I have fed her hundreds of thousands of dollars of groceries. <laughs> that baby was given to us as a miracle. But if you don't feed your miracle, it just becomes a museum. Oh, yeah. God did that. Yes, over there he did that. Yes, he did that. He did that. But nothing moves in a museum. In fact, may I suggest, if you're in a museum and something moves, if the lion, I would be leaving. Many of us have been blessed with blessings. But if you want your blessings to grow, and in fact, if you want your blessings to reproduce, you have to do what you've got to feed your So what does feeding your miracle mean? If, if God blessed you with extra cash that you were not expecting, you know somebody else who could use a little extra cash? Take a portion of that and bless them with that. Now you are doing what you are feeding your miracle. If you were looking for a job and God blessed you with a job, don't just sing about it, talk about it, Facebook about it. Find somebody else who's looking for a job. Help somebody else find a job. Now you are doing what? Feeding your miracle. If God brought you out of the hospital, you were hospitalized and God brought you out of there. Don't just talk about it. When you find out somebody knows in the hospital, get yourself back in the hospital. Walk into the room. Remind them, if God did it for me, he can do it for you. Have a prayer of faith over them because we speak life and we say to them, God did it for me and he is not respect of persons. He can do it for you because now we are doing what we are feeding our miracle. So before I pray with you, let me see if you got all six of those. You ready? You can put your notes away. Mm -hmm. No cheat sheets there on the front row. Yeah. Here we go, here we go. Principle number one is? Don't be afraid. Number two? Number three? Number four? Number five, I will speak. And when God blesses me with a miracle, I will. So Lord, I thank you for your word. Do what you always do. Meet us at point of need, and we'll thank you for it. Every head bowed, every eye closed. No one's looking around. You're here this morning in this room and online. You just need a miracle. Could be in your physical body. Could be in your finances. Could be in your job. Could be in your business. Could be in your marriage. Could be in relationships. Could be that private thing nobody else knows about. But you're in the right place at the right time. In this room and your room online that God can touch you and do the miraculous for you. If you're here and you just need a miracle from the Lord, not gonna embarrass you, not gonna call you to the front, anything like that, right where you're seated, if you'll just lift up a hand and keep it out there for 30 seconds so I can see you, and then I wanna pray with you. Wow, there are hands everywhere, hands everywhere, hands everywhere. You can put your hands down. Lord, right now I pray for my sisters and brothers in this room. Sisters and brothers who need a miracle in their life, and we are waiting on that miracle, but the wait is over. You're on your way. So Lord, right now, I pray for physical bodies to be healed, finances to be restored, jobs and businesses to find favor, relations to be mended again. Lord, I pray for those personal needs that nobody knows about, but you do. I pray that you'll meet them at that point of need. And because you're prayer answering God and you do all things well, we right now, we put our hands together, give you praise in this place. We give you glory in this place. We give you honor in this place. Come on, come on, come on. Come on, come on. Come 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 on come on come on. Yes, celebrate, 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 come on, come on, come on, come on, celebrate.